Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, hello and welcome to this week's edition of Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. And to begin today's program, we can all agree that modern electronic devices, laptop computers, tablets, smartphones have transformed all of our lives in amazing ways. Heck, you wouldn't be listening to this program without them. But do you ever stop and ask yourself what negative health impact the incessant use of these electronic devices, not to mention all the other uh, potential electronic hazards you have around the home or outside in the environment, maybe having on your kids and perhaps on you and your spouse as well? You know, pediatricians and professional journals express concerns over the development of social, motor, and cognitive skills when young children, even infants, toddlers, and preschoolers are given tablets and interactive media to keep them entertained. Shut up toys, the telecom industry calls them. Heck, for thousands and thousands of years, well-nurtured children grew up just fine without electronic devices, so why are they needed now? But that's not all. My guest, Beverly Jensen, Ph.D., is here to talk about another imminent danger about which most parents don't have a clue, the impact of radiation emitted by your children and by your own electronic devices. In fact, she warns that no child under 14 should be holding or or using a cell phone. And Dr. Jensen points out that radiation from tablets, cell phones, cell phone towers, and other electronic products is all around us. And she's here yes. today to t- talk about some of those risks. And uh, let me first uh, run down her background. She's a lifelong participant in the natural healing arts. She grew up in a family that practiced traditional non-AMA forms of healing and has lived and worked around the world including China, Egypt, the Czech Republic, Japan, lots of places where she gained knowledge of natural medical treatments and remedies. And in 2003, she launched a website to educate American women, womensmedicinebowl.com, and today she works one-on-one with both women and men to possibly transform their health. And in recent years, Dr. Jensen has been concentrating on the dangers of EMF, and offers a free workbook protecting our children from EMR, and she's author of the forthcoming book, 21st Century Madness, Wellness, RX uh, Health Act to Prevent and Cure Chronic Diseases. And hello, Dr. Jensen. We're indeed honored to have you here with us today. Good morning. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Well, I'd like to begin with a basic solo. Most people probably know the answers. Can you please tell us what the uh, EMF and EMR stand for? Uh, those those terms are used interchangeably. EMF is electromagnetic fields. 
an EMR, electromagnetic radiation. Well, without going um, into too much exhaustive scientific detail, will you please describe for us the negative impact that electromagnetic radiation has on our health? Uh, what, what goes on when we're exposed to it? What goes on in our bodies? Okay. The, the industry for years and still only focuses on the thermal effects. Huh. That is um, what happens to... You, you can feel this on your ear. When you put the phone against your ear, it, it heats up. <laughs> That's it the thermal be hot effect. gossip. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, even if it's not hot gossip. <laughs> um, but uh, there's actually been, there's a professor from uh, Washington State University who's been tracking globally the peer-reviewed scientific research regarding EMF. And okay, I'm on. I'm using Wi-Fi, and I've, we've got a little interruption. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Yeah. I can't um, now. Okay, he's he's tracked over ten thousand studies uh, regarding the health effects of EMF, and uh, a a a. More, even more serious one than the thermal effects is non-ionizing non radiation. Oh. And uh, this, let me just do some basic biology or, yeah. or instruction here. Our cells are aqueous. They're, we're, we're, we're mainly made of water. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and all of our cells' activity are directed by um, electrical impulse. And that impulse is from our brain and our heart. Yeah. And so EMF is an ex uh, external um, radiation, electrical impulse uh, okay. that's outside of us and is around us uh, all the time now. And so that, is, that has an effect. And for, for decades, the uh, telecom industry didn't pay any attention, didn't even suspect that was the case. Yeah, so it basically um, is maybe uh, interfering with our brain waves, you're saying. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. It, 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 uh, it um, crosses the brain-blood barrier, which is what protects the brain from most things uh, that the rest of our body encounters. And uh, uh, Dr. Paul, the professor from Washington State, it says uh, this is uh, this EMF or EMR is attributing uh, to what he calls the three A's: anxiety and Alzheimer's. And we've had a tremendous uh, increase in uh, autism among the children uh, in the last 15 years. Um, and we've we've. It's commonly blamed on the vaccinations and all the chemicals in our environments, but um, the EMR actually exacerbates the uh, health condition. So if it has, like there's been studies shows that it has a 600 times effect on the body's well-being. If if we so if we're already our immune system is already compromised, the EMF makes it uh, much worse. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, um, we may. I'd like to run down some of the ten health problems that uh, you uh, tell us related, at least in part, to EMR. And I understand six to ten are behavioral and mental health conditions. Can you please identify a few of these? Okay, that's actually the report from Blue Cross Blue Shield on the yeah. millennial generation. Those young people born between uh, the early 80s and the mid-90s. Yeah. And um, I think that the, the mental health is... Uh, one of the biggest issues, and this is clearly brought on by, I think it's quite clear, brought on by the uh, EMF, um, anxiety, feeling anxious, uh, depression, uh, and um, also memory, memory not working as it used to, uh, brain fog. Um, plenty of that around. <laughs> yeah. Even in Washington. Um, yeah. <laughs> Not your Washington, Washington, D.C. <laughs> well, I, I think Washington, D.C. is just smothered in uh, EMR. Yeah. I, I was there in April, uh, and I hadn't visited uh, my daughter who lives there for five years, oh. and I could feel I could feel the amount of it. Uh, it just sort of made my skin crawl, which makes me think I'm becoming more sensitive to this because the effects, of all of this EMR on us is cumulative, um, and uh, we. I like where you say on your website all. Reduce the amount of have. On all of our complaints, I don't sleep well. My memory isn't what it used to be. I'm anxious all the time. I can't con concentrate, and they're all effects of electromagnetic fields. I think that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Well, now, um, there are also uh, four major major physical problems related to EMR. I've got three of the four, so I can relate. Uh, why don't you tell us what those are? Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if I've got that list right well, here. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you from your uh, hypertension, which uh, high blood pressure, which I have, high cholesterol, which I also have. Now, I don't have Crohn's disease or ulcerated colitis, but I do have type 2 diabetes. So I've got three of the four uh, physical problems that are related to uh, EMR. <laughs> these are, uh, yeah, I think uh, these are the health problems reported by the millennials. So yeah. they are much, uh, and this is a really sad statement about the condition of our nation's health, because this is our young workforce. Yeah. I've got th three daughters in this age group, um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> health, uh, sleeping issues is is very uh, common, and um, so it's there. It affects them. Uh, they're they're. Uh, What's even According worse? According to this you're fading out there. Yes, this uh, Wi-Fi doesn't always work. <laughs> and uh, I'm actually in an area in in Seattle where the direct um I was saying that the uh the sleeping issues 
the, the report from Blue Cross Blue Shield in April said that the uh, millennials' health, uh, their their medical costs are more than the boomers. Is. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It shows a sharp decline in health begins around age 27 for them, which is pretty scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very scary. But, you know, this is a whole generation that from cradle to grave is bathed in EMR. Exactly. Right. And we we need to reduce the amount of exposure. Yeah, and how about our offspring? There's evidence uh, from the national health conditions is growing worse among children and adolescents. I know that another BC, uh, BS, Blue Cross Blue Shield report found a whopping 63% increase in depression among adolescents. And autism mm -hmm. has exploded from 1 in 1,000 children in the 1980s to 1 in 59 in the past few years. So autism is also, I guess, uh, yes. being caused by that. There's a physician uh, in Seattle who has been treating uh, children with autism for many years. And if the parent, and he said the difference between the the children whose parents will eliminate EMF in the house and those who don't is night and day. And so he won't even work with the parents who do not take the steps to remove the electromagnetic radiation in their house. Wow. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about what what people can do? You know, our... We're going to get to that soon. But okay. I want to cover one more thing. In middle age, very few of our listeners run the risk of getting pregnant, but a number of us are very concerned about safe pregnancies for our adult daughters and daughters-in-law, and recent <laughs> studies indicate there is an EMR risk of decreased male fertility, more miscarriages, and birth of unhealthy babies. And can you please touch upon these risks? Um. All of this is related to um, the EMF. In fact, I, w I had dinner with a couple of millennials a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. Discussions about miscarriage are as common as discussions about the, uh, having a cold. Wow. It's it's so common now, mm -hmm. and um, yeah. Uh, I think a Kaiser Permanente scientists uh, you quoted found that parental exposure to EMI, EMR nearly triples pregnant women's risk of miscarriage. And of course, yes, I already what, mentioned the autism threat with the, a child born with autism. Okay, some of the things that women, that women need to do or considering pregnant or are pregnant is, first of all, try to get, make their bedroom EMR-free. And that means keeping all electronics out of the bedroom for themselves and for their children. Um, there was one story of a woman whose uh, child, who was now 30 months old, had never slept through the night mm -hmm. until a, a, a building biologist came in and said, take the laptop out of the bedroom <laughs> or wire it. They were, they, since the baby had been born, they'd been using wireless laptop for, for music. Oh, wow. But all we need to do is, <laughs> yeah, just t plug it, wire it. You know, <laughs> you can. Uh, anyway, it was the first night the baby had slept overnight uh, when they took when they wired the laptop instead of using wireless. Um, 
But there's other things too. Is, is get get the bedroom free of EMR. Uh, 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 there's a, what's called belly armor, and that is a uh, it's like a, a, a metal mesh thing that you uh, sort of a girdle type thing to wear over the bump. And yeah, that's actually somewhere you said in China they require all pregnant women to wear something like that. Yes. In China, wow. it's it's the law that the pregnant women out in public will be wearing body uh, belly armor, oh. and police check it oh. <laughs> to see that you're con- conforming. Um, yeah, but uh, it's it protects the uh, the the fetus from the uh, because the the radiation is magnified and the um, um, umbilical. Uh, not the, the, the whole internal <laughs> uh, belly um, you placenta. Us, you tell us to buy a good quality radiation detector and share it with our extended family and our neighbors. Where should we go to buy one, and how do we judge quality and distinguish a good one from a bad one, and how much will it cost to uh, purchase a good quality radiation detector? Are they really um, expensive or well, the uh, the one that I recommend is, uh, and they're all about a hundred and seventy dollars, oh, and um, we're, we're just passing it around the family, yeah, so that each person can see what's their situation. Um, I have got on my website, and I think you've, you're putting a, a link on your website to mine, and on that on my site, Women's Medicine Bowl. I have a uh, ebook that talks about these steps to take, oh. and it includes uh, references to the meters that uh, are uh, that, that are simplest. And of course, a, a bodybuilding engineer is going to have something far more sophisticated. But this is this is easy to use and, and accurate, and so those are ones that I recommend. Um, and people and you can, can download that uh, ebook from your website, I believe. Yes, uh huh. Well, that's yeah. great. Well, you yeah. also tell us not to buy any smart appliances TV, heater, toaster, uh, fridge, anything with a chip in it. Is it easy to find dumb appliances? <laughs> and what are we giving up by not gaining a chip? <laughs> okay, this is related to 5G. Now, yeah. the, all the health problems we've been talking about are caused by 4G and 3G, yeah. the amount of radiation we're already living with. The radiation that will be caused by 5G is estimated to be 6,000 times more. Oh, and it, 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 fabulous. It, yeah, it'll be catastrophic. <laughs> it'll, it, it'll affect plants, animals, and, and we're among the animal group. It, it, it will affect every living cell. Um, I know you, you say on your website that Brussels, they've banned 5G. Why, why doesn't they, our government do something about that? Um, that huge threat. I mean, it's ridiculous. I, I've um, also heard that 5G really doesn't uh, speed up your computer reception that much anyway. No, we won't. It doesn't we won't. seem worth the risk. Exactly. Uh, but the, there is very little... Uh, discussion in the mass media about this. Mm-hmm. I think radio is actually going to be the the most common, uh, the, the the most trustworthy uh, and comprehensive uh, media we're going to have. Yeah. 
uh, going forward. The, the reason is, you asked why doesn't our government ban it? That goes into some serious political issues. Um, but basically, the directors of the FCC are uh, from the industry that they're supposed to be governing. Uh, like the current the, uh, one. The fox yeah, is guarding the chicken house. <laughs> it's what's called a captured agency. It's managed and directed by the industry that is it's supposed to be governing. So I think the, it's amazing. The, you said there were studies back in the 80s, and you think of the mid-80s and what the electronics are today versus back then. It's almost mm-hmm. preposterous that uh, they would rely on those studies. <laughs> yeah, that those are still our standards. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, actually, back in the 1960s at Cornell University, there was a study that showed the non-ionizing effects on the body of the, this radiation, and it, the the study was being funded by one of the telecoms, and they immediately shut down the lab and ended the research. It, you know, it's like you don't if you don't if it doesn't support the the industry's profit, then they they don't want to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Well, like but say, this I has been going. Uh, the research is. Con- didn't, didn't you say that your uh, one of your uh, blogs or something got shut down by, by what was it? One of the social media sites or something because it was <laughs> too threatening to the. <laughs> oh, that's that's happening. Yeah, that's another topic. <laughs> but but some of the. Uh, Cities and some of the provinces in Europe are saying they're not going to increase the radiation levels in their population to allow 5G. 5G is basically for the purpose of collecting data yeah. uh, on us. Which but we to, don't to, need either. <laughs> no, because the, it starts with the an installation of a smart meter uh, to measure your electricity. And you can, in most cities and states, you can tell the utility company not to install that, that you want an analog meter. It causes serious radiation. There's been a lot of reports of people being sick just from the radiation caused by the smart meter. But you need to talk with your neighbors about this. And um, I I recommend renting or buying the film Generation Zapped. And it's it's a very good film talking about the the radiation that we're all living with now. Show and have a have a viewing with your neighbor. Have to do that. Well, you have a forthcoming book, Twenty First Century Wellness and your friends and your family. Health hacks to prevent and cure chronic disease. When is the uh, who is that book written for? Medical professionals or laypersons like the listeners and me, or who, who is that for? It, it's for listeners like you and me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and yeah. uh, how, how soon is that book going to be available? You know, I got so blindsided by discovering these this, this medical research on the effects of EMF that I that the book's been delayed. It'll be out early next year. Oh, I see. I know there's a place on your website that uh, keeps track of when it'll be available so people can... Yeah. I've asked people to sign up to receive notice when it's out, 
Yeah, I, um, I when I got to this chapter in the spring, I was so uh, um, surprised. Uh, I have I uh, my father actually was in this industry, and I uh, so I thought and I knew about all the deaths of the Motorola engineers from cancer who were developing this technology. Oh, wow. So I've just considered the cell phone a box of radiation sent from the get-go. Yeah. So, and I think it's useful to think of it like that because if you, if you and it is, it's, it's emitting radio frequencies and it's collecting them and it, so it's, it's got radiation. You would not put a box of radiation against your head. You wouldn't carry it in your pockets and, and you wouldn't give it to a child to play with or to use. And I think you, you see kids with cell phones all the time. If we <laughs> even at the dinner table when you're in a restaurant or wherever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you think of it as a radiation box, you're going to use it differently. You're not going to keep it in the bedroom under well, your pillow. Your, your website is full of valuable information, including those downloads we talked about on the EMR threat and also natural, non-traditional forms of healing. And please give us that website address again so that uh, folks can go to it and uh, check it out. Okay, it's Women's Medicine Bowl, that's in cereal bowl, B-O-W-L dot com. Yeah, that's womensmedicinebowl.com. And yeah. uh, in conclusion, as we near the end of the 21st century, second decade, Americans' health is in a crisis. And that's before 5G spreads all over the place and makes it yeah. worse. More than half of U.S. adults have at least one chronic disease, and one in three of us have two or more. And perhaps even more disturbing, 46% of American children under 12 have a chronic disease. And obesity, which leads to other diseases, is rampant. And so many of us are not sleeping soundly, and that leads to even more health problems. And after speaking with today's guest, Beverly Jensen, Ph.D., I'm certain that none of us is surprised that much of the deterioration in our health corresponds with the introduction and rampant spread of the laptop, cell phone, tablet, and microwave oven. We didn't even talk about the microwave. That's another thing we probably should get rid of. And I don't know about you, but in the past I always assumed unrestrained usage of these electronic devices were safe, after all, the federal government is not warning against their usage, and none of us wants to spend the rest of our lives with hypertension, high cholesterol, diabetes 2, or any form of anxiety or depression. And equally important, we want to reduce the EM threat on our children and teenagers. And you and your kids' health certainly is worth any sacrifices we must make, and that's like getting the uh, electronic devices out of the bedroom and the uh, getting that radiation detector and some of the other things we talked about. And if you haven't already, I suggest you go to Beverly Jensen's website and review her material and access her downloads and sign up to check on progress of her book because I'm sure you're going to get a hold of it when it comes out and getting and keeping in touch with lifelong natural healing practitioner like Beverly will help you and your whole family get on the road to sustain good health. And goodbye, Beverly Jensen. Best of success on completion and distribution of your new book when it's done and all that you do. (laughs) 
thank you. A major challenge we're facing right now. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, thanks to our guest, Dr. Beverly Jensen, for starting uh, alerting us to the threat to our families and to ourselves from electromagnetic radiation, or EMI, right in our own homes from electronic devices we use every day. And I'm certain you'll want to get a hold of her forthcoming book, 21st Century Wellness, as soon as it becomes available. And for the rest of today's program, I'm going to talk about a different kind of threat that negatively impacts millions of two-income families, even a few one-income families. It's called the spillover effect. You know, in most households, long gone are the days of the single-family breadwinner, usually the husband, who would come home in the evening to his wife's uh, whose full-time but unpaid job was homemaker. And, of course, during the summer and school breaks, she added the day-long duties of mom, activities director, coach, and disciplinarian as well. The ideal setting was father coming home from a busy day at work to all the comforts of home, a healthy evening dinner was waiting on the table, when he, uh, which he shared with mom and the kids, to be followed by an enjoyable family evening, followed later by a passionate husband-wife time. And no, I don't mean to imply every couple engaged in that kind of intimacy every night, but the full-time homemaker was expected to have completed most of her chores while hubby was away at work and a few chores around the house were reserved for the husband, yard work, cutting the grass, minor home repairs. Sometimes he even helped out by washing and stacking the dishes. And I'm not saying every couple was content, but at least in the old days, each spouse had a clearly defined role, and they also had hours to perform them. But today there's a problem, and it's two-pronged. As we all know, most women today work outside the home, often with work days that are as long, demanding, and stressful as their husband. And second, stress and demands from earning a living for both husband and wife are seeping into the evenings and weekends, forcing longer hours on the job, but even worse, uh, worse yet, frazzled nerves away from work. And according to experts, on-the-job pressures are turning many couples after work hours into a minefield. The wife can no longer serve as the only one, obviously, with household responsibilities when she has a job perhaps as, just as long and stressful as her husband's. Worse yet, folks, both men and women, who put in long days on stressful jobs tend to carry their emotional strain over into their lives at home. Either the husband or wife may start arguments or withdraw emotionally after a bad day at work or even a hard, good day at work and be quicker to raise their voice to the kids. How about your home? If both you and your spouse work outside the home, are either of you carrying over your workday pressures uh, into your home life Has uh, home life become miserable? Experts tell us that spillover is especially hazardous to relationships at home if you and or your spouse is both passionate about the job and obsessed with succeeding at it. 
So let's talk a bit about what you can do uh, when challenging times on the job create a spillover effect that alters the way you behave during off hours. And a lot of credit for my comments today come from an article by Sue Schellenbarger in the July 16, 2019 Wall Street Journal. And we've quoted from Ms. Schellenberger before. She writes a highly effective column in the journal's work and family section. You know, having one spouse resign to take up a less stressful job isn't always an option, is it? And if both of you admire your present jobs, which spouse should it be? But here's some good news. Recent research sheds light on how couples can take control of their off-work time while both retain their jobs. And here's the first suggestion. Adopt to inborn differences. Adela Timmons an assistant professor of clinical and quantitative psychology at Florida International University, points out that lots of folks, primarily men, have a fight-or-flight response to stress. (laughs) Sounds like me, although maybe (laughs) flight is my usual response. They pull into a shell to calm themselves without starting a fight. Others, more than likely females, have a tend-and-befriend response, an impulse to seek comfort by approaching others, including their hubby, to talk through and about their problem. Uh, When both spouses have spillover from work, a marriage made up of husband and wife with different primary response is like fire and gasoline. The wife's tend and befriend response to spillover tends to spark arguments, uh, according to Dr. Timmons' 2016 study, because it only adds to the husband's own work pressures, and he'd rather keep them to himself. On the other hand, the husband's stereotypical fight-or-flight response can be just as damaging if the wife reads the withdrawal as emotional neglect. A first step to help prevent after-work spillover conflict is to understand your physiological differences. Wives, don't nag at your husband to get him to vent his frustrations about the job. This will merely stress him out more. And husbands, encourage your wife to vent her frustration and listen intently, offering advice. But first, ask her uh, to ask you if now is a good time before she starts unloading. And most importantly, both spouses need some time after work on their own to calmly reflect upon and ratchet down from the day. And that's the second suggestion, is build a buffer. Here's a great idea. If possible, both husbands and wives should build in a buffer zone between work and home for calm activity and for a calming activity such as exercise. Go to the gym and work out with weights on the treadmill. Maybe for a less, far less strenuous, just a long walk in the park. And I know this buffer period may not be easy if you have young children, but through rotation, uh, you and your spouse can work on it. And heck, uh, for many, taking time out from work to play with the kids or even your dog can serve as a great daily buffer. <laughs> Concentrating on it and enjoying them certainly will help calm your nerves from work. Here's a third suggestion. Change your routine. Let's say you're, uh, you're the, wi- 
you, the wife, uh, work from home, spending your day on the Internet. That's your primary job. In the evening, you long for face-to-face socialization. In contrast, your husband, maybe his job's in sales or he's a manager, and his job entails interacting with folks all day long. He longs for peace and quiet at home in the evenings and weekends. You may be able to uh, resolve uh, spousal conflicts by revising the routine. For example, the wife picks up the kids from child care. The husband assumes both bedtime and bath duty later in the evening, freeing the wife to get out, enjoy community service groups, and socialize later in the evening. And it's most important that couples communicate each day for example, wife to communicate with husband that she can't pick up a child that's scheduled and that both husband and wife make uh, themselves flexible enough and that last minute, when last-minute changes are needed, and they always will. And here's suggestion number four, and it's oh so important. Create mental space and respect it. Lots of folks shed workplace stress by doing something completely different right after work. I think the better idea is the gym or the happy hour, which is not always the greatest idea if you've got to drive home. But if you're coming home on the train, maybe it's okay. Healthy married couples also hit the reset button together. Uh, Some create what they call a third space. This is a period after work when they are not still working, but they may not talk much, certainly not about the pressures of their respective work days. And each spouse is free to pursue activities to unwind. The wife might cook dinner while listening to a podcast. Perhaps the husband might be into yoga or meditation, perhaps caught up reading a great mystery novel. And some evenings they may choose to unwind together, going for a walk, taking the kids out to pizza, or uh, perhaps playing uh, doubles tennis but in no way are they conversing about careers or any of the serious stuff during this period. And after the third space unwinding, husband and wife both feel relaxed and ready to uh, spend the evening maybe talking together some of the serious stuff we're talking about, reading or watching TV, getting the kids to bed, obviously. Uh, Before we go, I'd like to leave you... uh, those of you who have an intense job or when suffer from spillover, a few don'ts, do's and don'ts. And thanks again to Miss Schellenbarger. And here are the do's. Do whenever possible. Build a buffer between work and home for a calming activity, preferably some kind of exercise, not simply getting tanked at a happy hour. Do listen respectively when your spouse describes his or her sources of stress, even when you feel overwhelmed with your own career pressures. And do practice asking your life partner for what you need to calm down, making your spouse an ally. And asking this uh, draws the spouse in, and that uh, is always a positive when somebody else uh, is asked for support. And uh, do reframe job stress in a positive light as a potential source or uh, a raise or promotion. And don't just use it to slam what a crappy boss you have. And here are the don'ts. Don't dump on your mate the moment you walk in the door. 
the bad day you just had was at work wasn't your mate's fault. Don't assume that your life partner decompresses in precisely the same way that you do and is all ready to listen to all your problems. Don't allow your evenings and weekends to be consumed by complaints about work. That gets awfully stale, doesn't it? And don't assume without asking whether your spouse wants you uh, to solve her problems or whether she wants to solve her problems on her own or wants to give advice. During my 30-some years working in finance in several large corporations before I became a small business owner, I had four positions I greatly admired and three that were stressful but not very rewarding. And I'm certain, uh, like a lot of you, it was very difficult to separate career and home to mentally leave work at the office. But interestingly, I experienced more mental from-the-job spillover from jobs that I loved and admired than those that I didn't like. I was more than happy to shut them down when I left the office. But I was so wrapped up in those jobs I liked in uh, striving for both personal and corporate success that my home life suffered, and there's no way now, years later, to buy back missed family opportunities and forfeited evenings and weekends. And don't let the same happen to you. I trust our brief uh, segment today has given you some ideas on how to rein in and keep your career pressures where they should remain on the job. And remember my two books to positively make the most of your middle years, both on and off the job. They are a midlife challenge, wake up, and wake up captain and crew, restart your engines, both by me, Roy C. Richards, You'll find them on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and through our website, MiddleAgeRenewal.com. And that's our program for today. Now please go out and have yourself a great autumn season, and tune in again next week when my guests will tell us how we can all age joyfully. Sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? Bye for now, and if it isn't already, may middle age truly become your best age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 